morning, everyone. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Father, we give you thanks for this day, God, that you have made. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in your house, God, because there are many people who cannot gather as freely as we can. We thank you, God, for providing for us so that we're able to bring back to your house a portion of that which you have given. Father, I pray for your blessing over this offering. I pray, mighty God, that you will direct us, God. You will instruct us, God, on the best way to use this offering. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that your continued provision will be on us. I pray, God, that we will continue to seek you, God, and that we'll continue, God, to have generous hearts. I pray, mighty God, that we will continue, God, to remember your goodness. We will know, Father God, that you are a good God, and every good gift and every perfect present comes from you. Father, we pray for the remainder of the service. We ask, God, that we hear you, God. We know you're here, God, and we've come, God, expecting to hear from you, God, so open our ears, God. Father, let whatever is said today, God, be something that stays with us for the rest of our lives, God, something that we can share, that we put in practice, God. I pray, God, that you will go with us as we depart and that you'll be with us. Thank you again for your provision, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm here to do the announcements and the Hepzibah Online Evangelistic Ministries home, the retreat, just ended yesterday and a great time was had and there are many more events to come this year we also have the new life horizon retreat in october the dates october 11 to 14 and by popular demand it seems that the location has been changed from mexico to texas so closer to home right so bigger crowd we're expecting everybody to attend thank you i've got true love instead of pain there's freedom though you in my soul you give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul good morning good morning good morning today is a great day yes, amen. Yes, amen. 
in her day to thank the Lord and to just to give him thanks for all that he has done for the week and what he will do for the weeks to come and the months and the years that he will allow us to live. Yes, There's a lot of things that we take for granted. Eh? Mm -hmm. We take it for granted that this morning that we woke up and we were going to be walking. We are going to go where we wanted to go. We were going to be see seeing. We were not going to be sick. And some person this morning went to bed the same way we went but woke up this morning not not feeling experiencing the, the, the what we are experiencing some persons are heading towards the hospital some persons died some persons are mourning because they lost someone some persons are at different places and so we just want to give god thanks and so father i just want to thank you that what we took for granted or what we overlooked or what we expected or demanded of you, God, you never had to do, but you chose to do this morning because of your love for us. And so, Father, we just give you thanks, Abba Father. We just thank you because, Father, we know that to, to, today, as you said to, to that man, today, your life, he, he was building barns. And he was building more barns and more barns and more barns to hold, to hold his grains. And, and you came and you said to him, today your life is required of you. And so we recognize, Father God, that even though we have our own plans, it is your plan that will prevail. It is your plan that will trump every other plan. And so, Lord, it makes no sense we live away from you. It makes no sense, Lord God, that we can trusting our lives and thinking that we have control of our lives when in fact it is you who hold our future, you who hold our, our lives, you who hold and dictate everything about us. And so Father, I just thank you. Lord, even as I'm about to share your word, Lord, I, 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 I move me out of the way so that you can speak. I give you thanks this morning, Father. I thank you for your transforming word that will work deep down in our hearts and cause us to change. Thank you for the new wine that you'll be creating this morning through the pressing and the crushing. Thank you for the new freedom, the new power that will come because we will lay down our old flames to carry your new fire today. So Lord, we offer ourselves today as an offering to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be watching a video Pay attention to this screen.
Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus is sleeping in a boat when it's raining and it's thunder and it's lightning. It's storm in a storm and he's sleeping. It's an open boat. It's not like a like a submarine or something under or, or that he had an underground under deck to go. He was there getting wet and he was sleeping. But he, he it, it brings home something. Yes, not only is he suffering, he's telling us. That we need not to worry about anything that is temporary. Because everything, everything that is happening around us is temporary. It won't last forever. You may see it today and it feels as if you're going to drown and it's going to kill you. But he's saying that you have the ability. And he has given us all authority. To speak to the storm. And not even to the storm. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the wind and he said, peace. And it was the same wind that was influencing the storm that was influencing the waves. And he spoke to them. And so last week as we looked at the same, the same scripture, Mark 4, 35 to 41, which I will read for those who are listening. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. So last week we looked at that, the, the fact that, that, that we looked at storm and what, the, what it meant. A storm is a trial, it's a natural occurrence. It is something that will happen that you and I cannot avoid. It is inevitable. It happens and, and even though it, 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 it feels as if it is unbearable, we recognize that it is temporary. We recognize that it, it, it is only there for a short time. We recognize again that storms come as a, God, as a way to test what is inside of us. Because the Lord uses the storm to expose us to who we are. And so we know who we are. So in the midst of a crisis, the way I respond is who I am. You can't bring something out of me that is not inside of me. And so the, the, the Lord uses storms to, to show us where our faith is. Is my faith a genuine faith or is it a, or, or is it a false faith? 
Is, is my faith based off my commitment to God or is it based off my emotion? So when a storm comes, if I, am, if I am committed to God, I will weather the storm. But if I, if, if I am not committed and, I'm a, and, I, and I, my faith is not genuine, my emotions alone will cause me to, to, to be all over the place. And then I will cry like the disciples. Father, don't you care that I drown? We recognize again from last week that it was Jesus who led the disciples into the storm. And he led them into the storm, as I said before, to show them who they are. Because he knew who they were. He knew their character. He knew what was inside of them. And in order for them to know where they were and where they needed to go, he had to take them to the storm. We also recognize that the Sea of Galilee was a known place for fishermen to fish. And having four disciples being former fishermen, you would have assumed that they would have understood or may have weathered the storm before on the Sea of Galilee. But this time we see them panicking to the point of questioning God. And you and I, when we are going through storms in our life, the trials and the crisis, the, some of us, the first thing we do, we question, God, do you really care about me? If you cared about me, you would never have allowed me to go through this. If you cared about the world, you would have never allowed a child to be raped or an innocent person to be murdered. If you genuinely cared, you would have never allowed cancer to riddle my body or somebody else's body. If you cared about me, you would have never caused me to lose my loved one or to lose my job. If you cared about me, you would never allowed me to be bullied. Whether in school by my teachers or by my peers, you would have never allowed this to happen. Father, do you genuinely care about me? And so in this midst of our storms, we, we respond differently. Lamentation 3.17 says, My soul is bereaved of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And that is what happens to us sometimes in, in the, in, when we are going through crisis and trials. Our peace, our joy, our hope is removed. And we do not remember what it feels like to be experiencing peace or, or to, to know that hope and that joy that came from Christ. But this morning, even as they, we looked at how they questioned last week and we recognized that God brings the storm to teach them who they were or to show them and expose them to who they are. He brought it to develop their character and he brought it to test their faith. This week we want to look at that God designed the storms and brings the storm to us to show us that he cares for us even in the midst of a storm. So although this morning you may be experiencing your own trials and if you're not experiencing it as I said last week if you're not going through one now there's a guarantee that by the end by December you would have faced one so prepare be prepared be prepared because the storm that you went through before should prepare you to go to the next storm I remember talking um, to someone I'm not even sure if it wasn't you that I was saying when I was having my son I didn't have a clue what childbearing was like. I didn't know how long the contraction would last. I didn't know what it would have felt like. I didn't know how quickly the child would be born. I did not know the experience. You are, I'm coming into something that I did not experience before. And all I had were people telling me their experiences, but that was no guarantee that that would have been mine. 
But by the time I gave birth to Wade and had my daughter Ashley, I knew what um, contractions felt like. Nobody had to tell me what I was going to feel. I also knew that those contractions could never last forever. Because Wade took 10 hours to come, but Ashley took three. So I knew, having weathered Wade, the storm with Wade, that uh, having Ashley, I knew what I was going to feel. I knew the contractions were going to come on and they would come off. And, and when I wasn't experiencing the contraction, I would have felt as if I never went through anything. It was like I totally forgot what I went through. And then when it came on and, and the closer it came to birth, giving birth, the contraction became quicker and faster and closer and more intense. But I remembered when I gave birth to those children, it's like, what did I just go through? It's like you can't remember. It's like the memory went with the pain. And you wonder, but how could I have been through such a, 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 a rigorous or a, 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 a moment where you, you literally feel like you're going to die. You feel like you're being ripped apart in two different directions. And at the end of it, you're wondering, but how did I just go through this and I now feel normal? You feel like you can walk. You feel like you can run. You feel like you, like you never went through anything. And that is what storms do. The, though when you're going through them, you feel as if your breath is going to stop. You feel like you're, you, you, you cannot breathe. You feel like you're going to die. But the moment that, that storm is over, it's like you never went through anything. And some storms may leave a lasting impact. And, and it may, because as, as, as we spoke last week about Hurricane Gilbert, Gilbert le left a memory that some other storms didn't leave. Because... It, Gilbert was a devastating storm. It destroyed a lot of persons. Persons lost their homes, their roofs, their, their whole places were flooded. We were out of light for weeks, water for weeks. But God is saying to us, I bring you the storm because I'm using it to show you that I care for you. And you would never understand love, joy, and peace without going through the storm. And even though at times when we cry out to Jesus and it feels as if he's sleeping and you're crying out, Jesus, Jesus, and whatever method or way you cry out to him, and it may seem as if he's asleep, he's not asleep. He may delay his response to you because he's teaching you something. He's teaching us that he's Lord of the storm. He's teaching us that he has the power and the authority over the storm and that he has given us that same power. I remember driving in yesterday and my husband um, called, told me and he, he text, called me and he said to me, there's a thunderstorm. You're driving into a thunderstorm. And I was just driving and I, I was just so tired I had to pull off the road to rest because I just find myself just falling asleep. And when I came back and decided to drive and, 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 and where I was coming from, someone called and checked upon me to see where I was and I told him where I was going and where I was in terms of location and what that my husband had told me that I was driving into a storm. And she reminded me, she said, but you can speak to that storm. And so I spoke to the storm. I saw the clouds. I, I saw the dark clouds ahead of me. I saw it because apparently it had started in Dallas maybe about six, but I was nowhere near Dallas at that time. And I saw the clothes that I was driving in. And I said, peace be still. I exercised my faith. And I came in, not even one drop of rain until I got into Coppell. I thought rain was enough that I could just walk out of the car and come inside. And I said, God, 
I don't know if it was his plan before to, have, to finish the, the, the thunderstorm before I got here. But I am believing that I spoke to the storm. And it obeyed. And so this morning God is saying to us that I want you to speak to, your, to, to the wind behind your storms. The things that come to rob you of your peace and your joy and to rob you of the understanding that God does in fact love you and that he cares. Have you ever felt that God didn't care? Have you ever been going through something and you, you wonder, God, where are you? Do you really care about me? And I would ask you to go back and think about the event. The moment, the crisis, the trial, whatever the circumstances that you were going through at the time. Go back and think about it. Remember what it was like. Remember how you felt then in comparison to how you feel now. Was it a joyful moment? Think about one of your worst storms because we have storms of different magnitude. We have some storms that are just day for the day and you just brush it off and you move along. And you say, oh, I won't give much attention to that. But you have storms that come and rock you for days, for weeks, that are life-changing, yeah. And so I gave you a handout this morning. I want you to, 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 to the, 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 the smaller one. I'm, I imagine that you're given $191 million. And what I want you to do this morning is to apportion the money over love, Peace, joy, forgiveness, based off what you think you would need to show that God cares. So we all need different things. Some persons will need forgiveness. Some persons will need more love. Some people will need peace. Some people will need a little bit more joy. Because when we don't have these things or when we are not feeling these things, we think that God does not care. And so I want you to look at it, think about it, and spend the time and apportion that money, $191 million over those four items to, and, and, and if I, I don't need to know your response it's for you to know how much love do I need from that money how much love do I need that that money can buy do I need 191 million dollars worth of love because you could also put all your money on one item do I need peace more than I need the others do I need forgiveness more than I need the others and so I just, I'm just going to be quiet and allow you to go ahead and just work and a portion of your money. For those of us who chose that you needed more love than you needed peace, hope, and forgiveness, I want us to look at Matthew 10, 29 to 31. We're going to be looking at some scriptures this morning. So be prepared to be using your Bible or your, your iPhone or your tablets or whatever means that you use to, to read the word. Matthew 10 from verse 29 to 31. 
He says, are you not, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. So if, you're, if, 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 if your love bank this morning is dry and you're saying, God, I'm not experiencing love and I'm going to use my $191,000 and I'm going to buy more love than anything else this morning. He's saying to you, look at the sparrows. Look at the sparrows. The sparrows are there and they don't even worth a penny to him. He said, if I, if I, I cannot even sell those sparrows for a penny. Yet, I won't allow them to fall to the ground. I provide for them. He said, I love you so much that even the very hair on your head I have numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more worth, you have more worth to me than the sparrows. Then in Romans 8, 35 to 39. Romans 8, 35 to 39, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, depth, sorry, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in Lamentation 3.32 Lamentation Ezekiel Lamentation 3 verse 32 says Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his, is his unfailing love. So we're seeing that God, though grief come and though the storms come and he allows the storms and the griefs to come our way, he's saying to us, I will show you compassion because of my great unfailing love for you. And in John 3.16, which all of us know, or some of us may know more than some, God demonstrates his love for us by sending his son, Jesus. He says, I love you so much that I will give up my only son to die so that you can have eternal life, so that you can have fellowship with me. Are we seeing a picture of the caring God? Are we seeing a God who loves us more than we could ever know? More than we, we, we understand at times because we 
tend to look more at our trials and our storms than we look at him. In Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So we see that God's love for us even in the midst of the storm and before the storm and after the storm is wide and long and deep and high and it surpasses all understanding that you and I could ever have because we can never fathom God's love. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us that he quiets us with his love. And even though you and I don't want to be, be, be disciplined, he tells us in Hebrew 12, 5 to 11, that he disciplines us as a sign of his love. And you may even wonder, but how can you discipline a child? He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son. And so if love is what you need this morning, God, according to Psalm 66, verse 20, says, God does not withhold his love from us. God is slow to anger, and he's abounding his love, and God's love is fulfilling and he's unfailing. He never fails. And because of his love, when you and I are deserving of punishment, he relents when we cry out to him. He knows that we are, he's a very just God. And we cannot remove that out of it. He's a very just God. But at times, when we cry out, he responds and he relents and he, and he stands in the way and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he thwarts the judgment that would have been ours. You can't sleep at night because you are worried about your storm. Because you're worried about your crisis. Psalms 127.2 says, God gives sleep or grants sleep to those he loves. He sends his love and his faithfulness to us. And he will, with, and he will not withhold it. God shows us that he cares for us in the midst of the storm by granting us his peace, by granting us his joy, and by demonstrating his love. And this morning, if what you need more to understand that God cares for you this morning is peace. That state of calm, that freedom from strife or discord or harmony in personal relationship. God comes and he grants you peace. In Psalm 29, 11, it says God blesses his people with peace. He promises in Isaiah 26, verse 3. He says, if you would only keep your eyes on me. He says, those who keep their eyes on me will have perfect peace. Micah 5, 5 says, God is our peace. So you cannot experience peace without him. 
You can't be living devoid and removed from God's presence and experience and expect to have peace. That's not possible. God is our peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus gives us peace. We have peace in Christ. He said he has overcome the world. You will have many troubles, but I have overcome the world. I am your peace. In Romans 5, 1, it says we have peace with God. And God, and if you are not experiencing peace, 1 Corinthians 7.15 tells us this morning that God has called us to live in peace. So there is no reason for you to be not experiencing peace. Our God is a God of peace. And he sanctifies us. And he equips us. And so if it is peace you are saying this morning, I am going to use my $197,000 and buy peace. Or I'm going to use a bigger portion of that money to buy peace. He's saying to you, I am your peace. I give you peace. I call you to live in peace. I sanctify you because I am the God of peace. And the next item on the list is joy. Joy is that emotion that evoked by a well-being, success, or good fortune. It is gladness or delight that is not happiness. So there's a difference between joy and happiness. Because happiness says all the conditions must be right. So I must have what I need. I must be in an environment that is supporting or influencing or impacting my ability to be, to have, to be happy. But joy is saying no. It's an emotion that is evoked that brings gladness and delight even in crisis and storms and circumstances beyond your control. Let us look at John 15 verse 9 to 11. St. John 15 verses 9 to 11. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master, don't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong scripture. I'm supposed to be reading from verse nine. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you, obey, if you obey my command, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So we cannot have joy unless we are remaining, unless we are abiding unless we are continuing our intimate relationship with Christ in God. Our joy becomes complete. So you may experience joy today and, and a crisis happen tomorrow that knock you over and you lose it. But Jesus is saying, you can only remain or have your joy com complete by remaining in my love. 
Galatians 5.22 tells us that joy is one of the fruit of the spirit that we bear. And Romans 14.17 tells us that the kingdom of God is peace and joy. Peace and joy. That's what the kingdom of God has. So that's what it is about. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So you're not experiencing joy. You want to spend all of your money to buy joy or most of your money to buy joy. God is saying that my kingdom, in my kingdom, it's about peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In James 1, 2 to 4, he says, consider it pure joy when you, when you, when you fall into trials or various trials and temptation. Consider it pure joy. Can you believe it? Exactly saying it is so joyful that I am being persecuted. It's so joyful when I am being in trial. And we saw what happened to the churches in, in Sardis and, and, and um, Laodicea. They weren't, they, they, they weren't persecuted. They never had any afflictions. And, 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 and God rebuked them. They had no commendation. But we also saw the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia who were being persecuted and God said to, to Smyrna, though you think you are poor, you are rich because you have suffered affliction and persecution, yet you remain steadfast, you remain faithful. James 1, 2 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so the joy I'm sensing that God is saying that in the midst of the trials and in the midst of the storm that he wants us to experience is a trial and storm that causes us to be joyful because we understand that the end result is greater than what we are going through. And it is having a perspective that, that is bigger than your situation, bigger than your trials, bigger than your struggles, bigger than your, 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 your circumstances. And God is saying to, to us this morning, I care for you so much that, I, that, that the $191 million, I can, the peace and the joy and the hope that I want to give you far exceed that. The love that you want that you're not feeling every day, I have more than that for you. I can give you more than what you think you need. Actually, I have given you, but it's for you to come and to take it. Yesterday, I, I, I remembered um, the Lord was just sharing and, 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 and speaking to me. And, and as if he was saying some of the things that we don't have and, and, or he has withheld from us. It's because it is not good for us to have at the time. And I thought about it. If I give my daughter when she was 10, $191 million in cash, to what would she have done with it? She would have wasted it. She wouldn't, and it, maybe if I give it to her now, she would have wasted it and used it to destroy herself. 
And, and like God was saying to me yesterday, there are things that I will withhold from you because you're not in a position to receive it. And you may think that I withhold because I do not care. But it's because I actually care why I withhold it. Because I am working. Like he's, 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 he was saying to me, you may have credit card debts and the credit card debt is over your head. And you're crying out and saying, God, God, pay off the debt. And he said, I cannot pay the debt because you don't know how to spend. Because as soon as I clear, I wipe that debt. You start to, to spend again and the card will amount again. And I remember a woman shared with me that her husband had run up their credit card and she went because she's more frugal. And she said she went and she paid off the debts, paid it off. They apparently never joined that, they never had a joint savings account, but they had joint credit cards. And she said she paid off all the credit cards. And she said the day she paid it off, her husband came home with a new laptop and a new television. <laughs> he, he went spending again. And so we realized that sometimes it's not debt, the Lord will keep us in debt because if we never had that money. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have needed a laptop or a new television. What was wrong with his old laptop and the, and the television that was there? But because he now has access to this card and it feels like he can, he, he now have more money I can buy. And God is saying, no, I will, I will keep you in luck until you learn to spend. And then I, when I thought even about my own body being sick the other day when I was praying, praying, praying and asking the Lord to heal me of this thing that was happening with my gallbladder. I felt like the Lord would have healed me by saying, Zup. no surgery. But having been through surgery, I realized that even prior to going through surgery, I learned what to eat and what not to eat. And because I knew how that pain felt, and I never wanted to feel it again. I changed the way I ate until it had affected that even although I've removed the gallbladder. Because I went to that retreat over the weekend. And they knew the last year when I was there that they had to have special food for me. And even though they knew that I had surgery, when I went, there was special food again for me. My food was ordered without, without butter, without oil, without... Everything was different about my food. And everybody, so they would come and my food would be standing by itself. Everybody else's were together. And I could have eaten a little of that, but I was reminded. Mm -mm, don't go back there. Although the gallbladder is not there, something still can happen. Whatever were creating those stones. And so we realize that even in sickness in our body, the Lord will say to, to us, I need you to be healthy. And so I'm going to teach you to be healthy with sickness. I'm going to teach you how to eat. I'm going to teach you how to spend with your credit card maxed out. And you don't know what to do. And you're crying out to me, Lord, deliver me. And expect me to send, send you someone with a check to, to, to erase the debt. Or that you go online and see your, your bank says, oh, you no longer owe any debt. And you say, oh, God, are you give testimony. So no, testify about how I'm teaching you how to spend. I thought about it and I said, normally if I'm going to a retreat, I would want at least one new blouse. Especially for the day I'm going to speak. And I remember meeting with a lady and she said to me, she's going off to Alaska on a cruise 
And she said, I'm so tempted to buy an entire new wardrobe because she can afford it. And she said to me, but God said to her, no. And then she said to me, God said, but when you go to Alaska, no one will even know that you're wearing something new. Nobody will notice that your blouse is new. They would not even knew, know if you had, they wouldn't know if you had that blouse last year, today or 10 years ago. That's how insignificant it is. And then it's like when I thought about it, I said, but we spend time buying things to impress people that don't even notice us. Because sometimes they're wearing something new and nobody sees it. And God is saying, <laughs> and God is saying to us, I will sometimes be quiet and not respond to you because I am teaching you something. And it's because I care why I'm silent. Because we know of the parents who, who run to every need or satisfy every need of those children. And what we call them? We call the children spoilt. And we say the parents spoilt that child. Do we want to be known as children who are spoilt by God in that way that he will give us things to damage us? No. We want to experience his love and to know that whatever he gives us is because it is the best for us. He said, I will never give you stone like your father would never have given you stone if you want bread. And so he will never give us some of the things that we are asking for until we are ready for it. And it's a hard concept to understand and grasp. But he's telling us this morning, I give you everything, I give you love. Because when you have love, when you can understand my love, when you can feel my love, that when the storms come, because you know you are loved, you can speak to the wind. You don't have to panic. Father, you don't have to question my, my thoughts and my care towards you. You don't have to question my ability to care for you. You don't have to question my power. If I can address your storm, you will know because that's what love does. Love allows us to know that God will do anything. There is no mountain he won't climb up. No wall he won't kick down to come and to get to us. And when we understand his love, which he's trying to teach us over and over and over, and he's trying every way possible for us to understand that we are loved, we will understand that even in the situation that we cannot change, that we have no control, which is that what storms does. Storm devoids you of control. It removes you of that desire or that thing that drives you to be in control. Because you don't know when storms are coming. And even though they warn you, and they say we may possibly have a storm because they can look at how the clouds are moving and the direction of the wind and the forces behind it. They can't guarantee, because I remember being in Jamaica when we were told that we we're going to have a storm and we went and we shopped many times. And you buy every canned product that you would normally eat. You buy all your water. And then the day that you think the storm should hit, they told you that it dissipated and it turned just to regular rain. Or it turned and it is going towards another country. We cannot control storms. We do not dictate when they come, how they come, if they come. But we, all we know is that Jesus promises us and God promises us that in Isaiah 43, that when these storms come, he will be with us. He said, I will, you will pass through, you will walk through, and I will be with you. So even if they burn you, they won't set you ablaze. 
You won't even smell, and you choose not to smell like smoke because guess what? There are times when the storms come, and even when they are gone, we hold on to them and taking the impact of it. When the storm has done what it is supposed to do, and gone, and we still every day fanning back the wind on to remind us of where we are or what we went through. And God is saying, no. I am with you. Know that I love you. I care for you. Even in the midst of the storm. And you don't have to walk around every day with the wind bottled up. For every moment you want to get angry, you let out a little of the wind to remind you of what you went through. And God is saying, no. I am your peace. I am your joy. And if you remain in my love, you too will, your joy will be complete. And so this morning, as we, 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 we think about what God is saying, he's saying to us, the storms, though they come, are for a reason. And even if the enemy was the one who orchestrated them, I have, the fact that they happen, I have allowed them. They cannot happen unless he allows them. But what he's calling us to have is a perspective, a mindset that says, storm, you are temporary. Storm, you will not impact me more than I will allow you to impact me or influence me negatively. I decide how much I take from you. I decide how much you bend me over. It's like a lady was sharing with us that she, in her family, she had many different issues going on. And she said she used to be bent over in her, her spirit because of all the things that she had to carry for her family. Things that were not directly hers, but different members of her family was going through things or did things and she had to suffer under it also. And when you look at the lady, her back is literally hunched over. And it could be that our physical body took on what our spirit was going through. Because don't worry, whatever storms we go through, physically and emotional, they have spiritual implications. And so what is God saying to us today? Though it seems as if I don't care. Though it seems as if I have not answered you when you cry and you call. It's because I am working things out for your good. I am doing a new work. Can you not perceive it? I am making streams in areas where there were not streams or could never have been streamed because it, just by the nature of the development and the atmosphere and the conditions of the soil and everything, there could no be, there be no streams. But he said, I am making streams. Streams to water you. And as, as, as Kirk spoke this morning and he mentioned about the, the seeds that were planted. And I remembered when the seeds, when I put those seeds in the ground, I could not see them anymore. All I saw was just the soil. And I watered it day one, I watered it day two, and I left. And when I came back this morning and when I saw that, Kirk said to me that um, the seeds sprouted yesterday, he said to me. And when I came and I saw it, and we were both looking at it this morning because he was watering it. And he said to me, but that's not the size it was yesterday. It was smaller. And in one day. So you realize the thing that God is doing sometimes, and it seems as if he's not caring. It is under the soil being watered. And he's watering it. 
He's watering it. He's giving life to something that was dead because the seed is dead. And he's giving life to something that was dead. And it may seem as if he does not care. But when you start to see that sprout, you know how much joy I felt this morning when I saw that sprout? I planted six seeds and four sprouted. And where are the other two? I said to my husband, I said, the other two are either going to sprout or they're going to sprout later. Because not everything comes at the same time. So some things will burst out quickly and you will get a response quickly. But some things, especially the things you want the most, takes the longest to come. I said, God, you really don't care. Because if you care, why would you give me that one thing? You have given me everything else except that one thing that I need. And he's saying to us, I am watering your seed. Though it may not look as if I'm doing anything, I am bringing to life something that was dead. I am doing an underground. And I think, as I said underground, I think about buildings going up. You buy a piece of land, and the process of buying to building can sometimes take up to, take up to two years. For the architect to draw, for the infrastructure work to, to be done where nobody sees, all they see is this fence in place, and you can't see the groundwork, being, the, the, the soil being dug. And you can't see the, the, the pipes being laid. But when you see that building start to go up, you say, wow. But you never have known how, how long it took them in that stage, that incubating stage, where everything, the concepts, the, the architect thinking and sleeping at night and thinking, how do I design this building based on the client's needs? And that's what is happening sometimes. God is designing based on our needs. And you may not be able to see the, the, the roof going on and the windows and the doors to make it look like you're getting a building. But he's doing a work. He has the concept in his mind. And he knows the exact area to put it. He knows how to outline. He knows how to lay out that building. Because you may need an arch there, or you may need a square there, or you may need a triangle there, and he knows exactly what you need. So trust him. Let us trust him this morning. Let us trust the God who cares this morning that whatever time he takes, Juanita Bayam sings a song that many of us don't want to sing or will never sing. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on the Lord who cares. I don't mind waiting on the Lord. I don't mind waiting. And it makes no sense in the natural. When you want something, no, you're saying to God, God, I don't mind waiting. But you know why she could sing that song? At the time she sung it. Because she was saying, God, I know your love for me is greater than, that, than my wanting to have that. I know that what you have in store for me is better than my, what I think I need now. And if we're, if we're honest, some of the things we ask the Lord for, if he gave it to us when we look back, we're saying, oh God, thank you that you didn't answer that prayer. Because if you answered that prayer, I would have been so sorry. And so she said, I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on the Lord because I know that what he has for me is from a place of love. I don't mind waiting. I don't 
go from my body. I don't mind waiting God on the job. I don't mind waiting God. And you know what you're waiting on. You know what you're waiting on. God, I don't mind waiting because I know that when you come, it's the best thing that you have for me. I don't mind waiting God. I don't mind waiting God because I know that when you come God, when you come Jesus, when you come, it will be the best thing. I would ever have. I don't mind waiting, God. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting, God. I will wait on you, God, because I know you love me, because I know that you care for me. I don't mind waiting, God, in the midst of the storm. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting, because I know that you give me peace in the midst of the storm. You give me joy in the midst of the storm. I don't mind waiting because you have made provision for me, even in the storm. I don't mind waiting, God. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting, Jesus. Because I know that when you come, God, God, you have so much in store for me. God, I don't mind waiting. I don't, don't, don't mind waiting. Oh God, I don't mind waiting. Yes, God. And Lord, even when the storm comes and I'm not sure, remind me that I told you that I don't mind waiting. Remind me, God. Remind me that I promise that I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the peace and the joy that I have in the midst of the time that I'm waiting. Thank you for the love that you have already given me while I'm waiting. Thank you, Father, for the provision you have made that while I wait, God, there are things in place to assist me, to help me, to encourage me, to strengthen me as I wait. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Waiting on God. You are worth waiting on. And even though I may not understand it fully, God, 
I'm saying, God, you are worth it. You are worth me being patient. You are worth me being with, sitting and waiting, God. Yes, God. I don't mind yes, We wait on the doctors when we go to see him. And we sit and we wait. And if we were invited by the president, you would go and you would sit and you would wait. Whatever the president is that so would want to invite you. You would go and sit and you would wait. You don't mind waiting on your boss to call a meeting and you sit around the table and if he comes half an hour later, one hour later, you don't mind waiting. You wait. And yet the one who is worthy, we don't want to wait because we don't trust him. Oh yes. You can take this presence that you're now receiving. Yes, you're now receiving the presence of the Lord. You can take it in the grocery store. You can take it on your job. You can take it to school. The presence of the Lord never has to cease. As long as he has an invitation. As long as you hunger and thirst after him. He'll come now to you. You need to say it this morning. Let your When we abide in his presence, the storms feel differently. We just looked at the video. Jesus spoke to the wind and he went back and he rested. He never stayed up and was concerned the way they were. He knew who he was and he knows who he is. He knows, he knows. And so the same way he comes, when he comes, he speaks to our peace. He speaks to our joy. He speak to our storm. He speak to whatever condition we have. Because he wants us to rest in him. Rest in his presence. Yes,
thank you that you care. You care enough to, to put so many words in scriptures to show us that you care. You care so much, God, that you put words for us to read over and over and over, God, that to show us that you care. You are our peace and we worship you, God. You are our joy and we worship you. Yeah. 
this morning 
so this morning we we see God showing us through his word that he cares we see that through his word he gives us the peace and the joy and the love the most important things that we need we don't need money as much as we need peace because you can have money and don't have any peace you can have money and don't have any joy you could have money and have no hope that is why people with money when they kill themselves you wonder how could they have killed themselves they lacked hope they lacked peace they lacked joy even with money so what is it that you need this morning is it money God is offering you peace and joy which is more which supersedes money and he can give you money he can give you money there's no problem there's no lack I'd have a running joke with a friend who would all they say if God just sell just one of the cattle just one just sell one cattle on the hill that he said a thousand just send one yeah one cow and, and, and he could have settled all of my debts and, and, and yours and yours and all of our debts one because those wouldn't be regular the Texas cows there be cows lined with jasper and gold lined with diamond so what is it that you need this morning that supersedes God love peace and joy because that's what you need in the storm that's what you need for life and so if you don't know Christ this morning, you will not experience his joy, his love and his peace and his hope without knowing him. But he calls us to remain in him. And so today is a day for you to come and to accept the peace giver. Accept the joy giver. Accept the one who loves you with an unconditional love. You don't have to perform to earn it. You will never be good enough for him to give it to you to earn it. All he wants you to do is to receive it. And it is simple. It is one where you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord. Believe that he rose from the dead. Believe that he is Lord of Lord and you desire to make him your Lord. And if when you confess it and receive him. Because the scripture says the demons believe and shudder so it's a little bit more than believing it's about accepting and walking into your believing by living acting out your belief in the way you live and he says when you believe and when you come and you receive him when you accept him not only do you accept him but you get peace imagine you, you, you think you got a gift and when you open it the gift what you thought would have been just a gift, you find that you have more things in it. It's like yesterday when we were giving away giveaway bags at the retreat. And when person opening you'd have thought that each bag had one gift. They had different things in it. They, they found themselves, so many different little things were in that bag. More than they expected. And that God is saying that when you come and you receive me, you receive my peace. You receive my joy. You receive the hope. You receive above everything as my love so that you can remain in me and so that your joy can be complete. And if you, in the midst of the storm, experience disappointment, because that's the reality. 
some of us experience disappointment at different times because God seemed as if he never cared and he wasn't there and he was never there. You were never there, God. That's what some persons would say. Where were you when my mother was dying? Where were you when I lost that baby? Where were you when, when, when I lost my job? Where were you when I invested in something and it never and I lost all my money? Where were you? But he's saying to you, I was there. I was there, I was there. It was I who held you. It was I who kept your mind in perfect peace. It was I who kept you because it could have happened so bad that you could have gone crazy. You could have gone crazy. You could have been similar to those guys on the road walking homeless because the storm hit you so badly. But he said, I kept you. And though I may not have done what you required me to do, I kept you in your storm. And so this morning, we, I want us to just thank him. Thank him for being the God of our storms. Thank him for giving us peace in the storms. Thank him for holding us when we could not see him and we could not understand. But he held us and he kept us and he protected us from everything else that could have happened. Because there's more that could have happened than the regular storm that you faced. A friend of mine got her finger cut. And when you looked at it, the entire skin was removed. But all we could have said was, God, thank you. It could have been a joint. It could be the entire finger. It could be the hand. Whatever could have, it could have been anything. But thank you that even in that trial, you became God and you remain God and you show that you were God by determining how far the damage would have gone. And so, Father, we thank you for protecting us in the storm. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, God, where we, have, where we have quarreled with you, where we have blamed you, where we have, have asked questions you about your ability to care and to care and to look after. Forgive us for questioning your ability to be God. Forgive us. When we, when we ask you question as if, God, do you really care? Forgive us. Forgive us, God, because your word over and over from beginning to the end shows a God who cares. So, Lord, as we go this week, as we go, God, may the God of hope fill us today with a two that one overflow. May the God of hope fill us today so that we will have hope tomorrow. We'll have hope next week. We'll have hope at the end of the year. We'll have hope until our life is taken from us by you, God. May we see you as a loving God every day, even in the storm. And so may the God of hope keep you and fill you with his peace and his joy in Jesus' name. So go today knowing that the God of the storm is with you and he can speak to every wind and he has given you authority to speak to your wings. Have a great week. It's the kind of peace that wipes the tears from your eyes. It's the kind of peace that brings joy, unspeakable joy and full of the morning glory. So I say to you today, 
God is warfare now. You said I can't make it another day. I'm trying to hold on with everything I got. But I hear the Lord saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and grab a hold to God. Sometimes, because of the cares of life, it knocks our spirits into a spiritual coma. But thanks be to God that we serve a God who has the power to shake us again. Oh, come on, let's let him do it this morning. Let him wake you up in the anointing. Shake us again. Shake us again, only you can shake us again, shake us again, shake us again, only you can shake us again, early in the morning. Before the break of day, take your loving hands and shake us again. Shake us with your glory, bright as the morning sun. Lord, don't forsake us, but shake us again. Shake us again. Shake us again, only Shake us again. 
break of day Take your loving hands And shake me again Shake me with your glory Right as the morning sun Lord, don't forsake me But shake me again Yeah. 
This morning, he has shaken you to victory. 
he that cometh to God must come believing that he is, that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Come on, everybody. Let's call Jesus. Jesus. 